And for everyone else who's going to be with me, we will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So you can grab your Bible, grab your device, and meet me in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And um, yeah, we are excited to be moving forward in terms of lifting of restrictions and different things. And so uh, we'll keep reminding you of these things throughout the week. So next Sunday, uh, we want to go back to just one service for a little while. And so when we don't have the capacity limits, we don't need to worry about that stuff in the same way. Um, one of the things, obviously, we've seen in the last couple of years is that uh, as some people have not been attending regularly for various reasons, uh, a lot of the volunteer work has landed on a few who have been here the whole time. And so they've been doing double duty, triple duty. And one of the ways we want to be able to help them out is to say, we're just going to do one service for a bit. You don't have to do two services on a Sunday morning. So our plan at the moment is we will go to one 10 o'clock service for the month of March. Uh, we'll see where we're at at the end. If we can stay in one service and we can do that comfortably, we'll do that. Uh, if we're finding it's too full, we'll go back to two and we're okay with that as well. But we just wanted to give everyone a bit of a breather and we wanted everyone just to kind of just get used to again being back all together and just being able to see each other again and, and be in one group because normally we would have done that at various times throughout the year. Uh, we haven't always been able to do that during COVID. And so we just want to be kind of one family again for a little while. Uh, and we are very excited about that. And we're excited to have the kids back in with us in the junior highs for worship as well. Uh, that was something that we valued for a long time of having the kids worship with their parents and learning how to worship with us. And uh, again, just with space limits and stuff, we weren't able to do that. So they do worship with us on the other side of the building, just so you know, they stream it uh, and they are participating in that way, but we're very excited to have them back with us. So we'll have kids in for the first couple of songs starting next week. And yeah, hopefully in the next week or two, we'll be able to tell you some more about other stuff that we'll be lifting. I don't want to put a date on that one yet because we're still figuring that out, but you can be praying for us as we do this. Reminder as well, uh, we mentioned this last week and in the communications of weekend update that Lent is starting on Wednesday. And so this is a period of fasting and prayer that happens before Easter. Uh, some streams of the church engage in it every single year. We have not done it formally as a church every single year, but at specific times when it felt like it was just a good time to press into the Lord, we have done that. And we just feel like that is this time right now. And so as this starts on Wednesday, we have challenged you to find something to fast during that time. You can pick whatever that is. Um, and so for some people, it's things like I'm going to fast a meal a day. I'm going to fast a certain food that's really uh, important in my life. I'm going to fast TV. I'm going to fast social media. I'm going to fast my phone. Uh, there's lots of different ways that it can look. But the idea is you're going to take something that's important to you, lay it aside for a season in order to replace it with with pressing into Jesus. And so it's not just about the sacrifice. That's part of it. It's the sacrifice that says, Lord, you are more important to me than this thing. That's part of the worshipful side of it. But it's also about replacing that thing with pressing into the Lord, replacing it with scripture, replacing it with prayer. And so I've talked to a few of you throughout the week, uh, this past week, about what you might fast or not fast, and people are wrestling with things. And uh, I know some people will say like, oh, the first thing that came to mind was this, but I can't possibly give that up. And if that's the case, that's probably the thing that you're supposed to give up. I hate to tell you. Uh, that's probably the thing that is going to be sacrificial in a way that it will actually truly be sacrificial, right? And so I always make the joke that I don't drink coffee, so fasting coffee is super easy for me. There's no sacrifice involved whatsoever, but a true act of worshipful sacrifice 
costs us something. Otherwise, it's not a sacrifice. And so we are starting this on Wednesday. Uh, and then we fleshed out this week in a bit more clarity, starting this Tuesday. So it doesn't start till Wednesday, but we're going to kick this off this Tuesday. Every Tuesday during Lent, from 7 till 8, we're going to gather in here. And a different leader in the church will be leading it week by week. And we're just, we wanted to actually have a time where we could come together and press into the Lord together. And so every Tuesday, starting this Tuesday from 7 till 8, uh, we will be pressing into the Lord together. Every leader is going to do it a little bit differently. These will be times of prayer, times of worship, times of scriptural reflection and meditation. Uh, but the heart of all of it is we're pressing into the Lord. And so I encourage you to come to every one of them if you can. Can. You can come to as many as you want. We are challenging you to make sure you come to at least one. At least one between now and Easter. Come out on a Tuesday night. Join with your church family and spend some time pressing into the Lord together. So that will start this Tuesday. I'll be leading this Tuesday night. And this Tuesday night, uh, we're going to just take time to pray for Canada, pray for Ukraine, pray for what's going on in the world. Uh, it just seems like an important time to be praying for our leadership, our government, uh, our church, obviously, and our church family. So we're just going to cover a bunch of those things in a prayer night. Uh, and so we encourage you starting this Tuesday to come on out and pray. All right, 2022, a year of pursuing peace. And we're just going to say that 87,000 times this year uh, so that it truly sinks in for all of us, that we are understanding that peace is not automatic in this life. It is something that requires a pursuit, right? And, and I used the example last week that sometimes I can feel peace at nine o'clock in the morning and it's gone by 10, right? It's not like you can just kind of coast on it for the whole day or for the whole week or for the whole month. There is a regular pursuing of peace that is required. And there is peace that is available in Jesus for us. And so we are learning how do we rest and pursue and land and remain in God's peace. And then uh, we'll also be talking about how do we also live in that peace towards one another. And so the five questions we will keep challenging you with are what is our attitude going to be this year as we pursue peace? How are we treating other people, especially maybe people that we don't feel super peaceful towards because we're annoyed or frustrated or angry? How are we drawing near to the Lord? Lord in all of this, who is the source of all peace, ultimately. What are we contributing to the world? Are we contributing peacefully? Even if we are uh, needing to speak up about things, are we contributing to the world in the way of Jesus with our words, with our actions, with our posts? How are we being light? What, are the, what is the world seeing when they look at us as Christ followers? And then who are we imitating? We are imitating Jesus. First and foremost, the Apostle Paul also used this picture of, he said, imitate me as I imitate take Christ, that we have human leaders in our lives and friends and companions, and our job is to look and be able to say, I see where Jesus is at work in you, and I want to be more like that. Whoever we hang out with, whatever voices we listen to, whatever we're watching, whatever we're reading, we start to imitate those things. So uh, that part is inevitable. The only question is, who are you going to be imitating? Which are you going to choose? And are we imitating people who are following in the way of Jesus? And so our opening series, Connection Points, we have been talking primarily about where do we connect with God, right? How do we draw near to the Lord is one of our big questions this year. Where are we connecting with him, the source? of all our peace. And so today is the last day that we will talk about that side of it. We're also going to spend some time in the weeks to come talking about how are we connecting with one another in a peaceful way? What does that look like human to human? And as we go into March, uh, we are going to have Terry Bone come down again. He's going to be sharing with us. And so we announced at the AGM 
that as I'm going to be going on sabbatical in a couple of months, Terry is going to be coming in as an interim lead pastor for the church, uh, and we'll uh, be able to share a bit more about that when he comes down. Uh, as well, Randy Friesen happened to be around and available in March, and I learned a while ago when Randy Friesen's around, you don't miss an opportunity to hear what God is doing around the world, and so Randy's going to be here in March as well. So there's some exciting things coming up. But today, as we talk about connecting with God, I want to talk primarily about how we connect with God through one another. One of the greatest ways that God wants to connect with you is through the people sitting around you right now. It is through the other believers in your life. He wants to meet you in them and through them and with them. And so you have hopefully had the experience uh, like I'm about to share. I've had lots of these experiences in my life where someone, another believer in Christ, has taught me something that I just really needed to know or brought an encouragement at the perfect time that really uh, lifted my spirits and drew me closer to the Lord or brought a concern or a correction that I desperately needed to see, a, a different perspective that I wasn't considering, someone who has brought a prophetic word or a word of wisdom or helped me wrestle through a a problem. Sometimes in a time of crisis, there are our brothers and sisters who rally to you and bring you comfort and bring you hope. There's lots of different ways that it shows up, but we are all collectively those who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And one of the ways that God wants to meet with all of us and draw closer to all of us is not one-on-one -on -one individually, but it's through each other. It is that we all have a role to play with each other, to bless each other, to encourage one another in the walk of, with the Lord that we are all walking in together. It is just simply not possible to call yourself a Christian and not be in community with other Christians. The nature of being a Christian is we are in a family. We are in a body. And of course, we enjoy a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God as well, but we are set in a collective group. We are set in a church. Uh, and you might remember we were going through the book of Acts a couple years ago. Uh, the Greek word for church is ekklesia, and it means the, the assembly, the gathering. It, it's a group thing. It is not an individual thing. And so we are needed by one another, and we need to give to one another as well. Uh, one of the greatest ways God wants to connect with us is through our brothers and sisters in Christ. So as we go through this, just a reminder, we do have an email address, questions at meadowbrook.ca. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, pushback on the message, fire it over there, and we'd be happy to keep chatting about it. Let's take a look at our text today, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I was going to read the whole chapter, but I'm actually just going to read a couple of verses today. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 17. So starting in verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. So that will be all that we focus on. And I, I'm so um, encouraged. Uh, it's encouraging in difficult times sometimes. I, I know there's a lot of conversation right now in the world and, and even amongst Christians just about division and disagreement and, and where do we find ourselves and uh, a very real pressure to draw lines and what side are you on and a, a, a very real instinct to want to kind of push away or pull away from people that we disagree with and, and not wanting to, to keep the, the debate going anymore. And, and it's all very real and we're living in it. I mean, we always have. It's maybe a bit more 
heightened in these days. But I'm really encouraged by the fact that large chunks of the New Testament are the apostles trying to teach Christians to get along with each other. Like, none of this is new. This has always been the case. And so had we read the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and and even earlier it shows up in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, um, the Corinthian church is a mess of a church. It's a dysfunctional mess of a church. There's all sorts of unhealthy stuff going on. There's significant sin happening in the church, and everyone's going like, hey, look at that sin. We can do that now because we're forgiven in Jesus. Like, there's an attitude that's coming up that's really, really ungodly and unhealthy. There's all sorts of fights happening. People are posturing and, and pushing for power and position and, and elevating certain spiritual gifts above other spiritual gifts. You get the sense that the worship services themselves are chaotic because everyone's just trying to promote their own gift that they're bringing to the table. And so Paul's trying to bring some order to it. And there's disagreements happening amongst the genders of just how we're women fitting into all of this. And there's just a lot going on here that's problematic. And one of the things that's going on in the church is that divisions are happening already within this one church around who is following who. Right? So some are saying, like, well, I'm a disciple of Paul. And some are saying, well, I'm a disciple of Apollos. And, and people are starting to separate from each other over which earthly leader they are following. And Paul comes into all of that and says, no, not that, not in the church. You follow Jesus. It's not about you follow me. It's not about you follow Apollos. I have a role to play. He has a role to play. But God is the one over all of it. You follow Christ. And I mean, we live in a Christian world where we're, I mean, we're Mennonite brethren. We literally are. We follow Menno Simons, right? Like we follow him and they follow Luther and they follow Calvin and they follow Pentecostal pioneers. And and we still do this to this day. And I don't imagine Paul saying, no, you can't admire Apollos or or follow his teaching or, or imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. But it's the division that becomes problematic, right? It's when you start to say, this is my identity. And Paul says, no, your identity is you belong to Jesus Christ. That's your identity. Every other distinction bows down to that. And that's true, I think, of theological distinction, political distinction. Obviously, in Galatians, it talks about racial distinction, gender distinction. Everything bows down. You are one in Jesus Christ. Did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? Did he die and rise again from the dead? Is this the source of our salvation? Is the Bible the word of God? The things that we are in agreement on with other churches and denominations are so massive and life-changing and and world-shaking and eternity-establishing that if we disagree on how do we do this, you know, style of church or what's our worship style or, or this concern over there, like none of that matters nearly as much as the things we agree on. Right? The things that we agree on are humongous. And so when this church is starting to bicker and Paul says, you know, the very fact that you're quarreling, he's like, you're acting like mere human beings. Like that's a, an insult coming from an, an apostle, right? Like you're, you, you, he's saying you look like the rest of the world, right? How often do we say, are we holy? Are we different? Or do we look just the way the rest of the world looks. He says, if you're like, honestly, guys, if you're doubling down on I'm a follower of a Paul, I'm a follower of Apollos, he's like, you have just become mere human beings. And Christ's followers are supposed to be more than that because we have the spirit of the living God living inside of us. And so as we look at these couple of verses, 
There's uh, a context that we've been talking about since the beginning of the year. We've talked about this idea of a 48-minute challenge. And the idea is, where does the Lord fit into your life? And so, where are you carving out time intentionally to spend with him? And so, we came up with this idea of 48 minutes. It's not a biblical number. You don't have to obey it like it's scripture. It is not. But it's just a challenge. And the idea was, we have about eight hours a day that we're sleeping, about eight hours a day that we're working, and eight hours a day where we have some freedom, some flexibility with our time. And 48 minutes is a tithe. It's a tenth of of eight hours. And so the idea was, hey, if I'm trusting God with a tithe of my income and I'm sacrificing that for him, then I'm going to trust him with a tithe of my time, or at least the time that I have some flexibility with. And so we've talked about giving the Lord 48 minutes a day. And if you want to give more than that, I encourage that for sure. But let's be shooting to give him at least that in some sort of combination of scripture time. And we've talked about that. And prayer time, we've talked about that. Different ways that we can connect with him on different pathways, we've talked about that. Uh, But to make him actually a priority. And as we talk about this in context today, I am going to suggest that part of that 48 minutes certainly can and should include other people, other believers. And so I'm not saying you need to sit with your Bible for 48 minutes every day, and that's how you have to spend every single day. If that's, if that's where you thrive, then that's wonderful. Uh, scripture needs to fit in there somewhere. But you can go to a life group for an hour and a half and have a wonderfully refreshing, fulfilling, renewing, learning, growing, maturing, connecting time with the Lord. And so part of the way we connect with the Lord is with other people. And so whether it is through Sunday morning, whether it's through a life group, whether it's through spiritual companions that we walk with, part of connecting with God needs to include connecting with other people. Paul jumps on this picture of the temple, God's temple. And uh, for anyone who knew their Bibles, and anyone especially who was Jewish and who knew their Bibles, the temple uh, in Jerusalem was a sacred holy place. And what's fascinating about the temple, and I still honestly have not fully got my heads around this, but God says really clearly to David, I don't need a temple. Don't build me a temple. Like God starts there and says, like, the heavens can't contain me. You can't put me in a room. Like, you're not going to be able to contain me in a building. Um, David really, really, really wants a temple to be built. And so God does relent and say, all right, you, your son Solomon will build me a temple. But it's interesting. It wasn't something that God required. It wasn't something that he had come up with. And so David is, is there and, and passionate about this. And it becomes something that God does bless. And it becomes holy and sacred. And in the temple... There is the Holy of Holies uh, behind this great curtain, and that is where the presence of God is concentrated. God is everywhere, but God's presence is concentrated here in the Holy of Holies. That is where God dwells. That is where God reigns on earth. And so three times a year, the Jewish people would travel to the temple from wherever they were in Israel or the world. They were all supposed to come three times a year, and they would come to the temple. They would offer their sacrifices. They would bring their offerings. It was part of their worship. There'd be festivals and feasting, and it was great reunion time and family time. And so the temple is this this place that the Jewish faith revolves around. The temple is this holy, sacred place. And if you remember, when Jesus dies on the cross, that curtain that sectioned off 
off the Holy of Holies rips from top to bottom. It tears apart as this picture that God is not going to be contained there anymore. And even if it's just in people's minds, he is not going to be uh, stuck in this building, which was his concern at the beginning of it. This is not something that was going to be blocked off where, you know, you couldn't go into the Holy of Holies, that there was a way that had been open now to experience the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. Now that our sins had been forgiven, now that we were made right and reconciled with God, now we didn't need any any special rituals to get there. We didn't need to sacrifice the animals and do a bunch of things and wear the right clothes and have a priest go do things for us. As Jesus dies on the cross, all of that gets wiped away, and now it's, hey, everybody gets to come boldly before the throne of grace. Aren't you glad we don't have to literally like kill a pig or a a goat in the parking lot and say like, all right, Mike and Christine, before you get in, kill your goat, do the blood thing, and then we're going to have to wear special clothes and come in. Like it's, it's all done away with in Jesus. It's all done away with by his one perfect forever sacrifice. So the temple is the place where the presence of God dwells. And then in verse 16, Paul says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And as with so many things, when we're 2,000 years removed from the context, it's easy to miss what a shocking statement this is for people who come from a world that revered the temple. And here comes Paul and says like, yeah, no, the temple is not the temple. Now you are the temple. You are the place where the presence of God dwells. You are the place where the Holy Spirit is. That's you now. You as people are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the place where the presence of God is. You are the ones to bring that to the world. You are the ones to introduce people to Jesus, to take the Holy Spirit with you everywhere that you go. You yourselves are God's temple now. It's not about a building. It's about a people and, and this is key now, and this is where when we translate Greek into English, we miss something. It's not, don't you know that you, Samdi, are God's temple as an individual, because that you there is not a singular you, it's a plural you. It's not saying, don't you know that you as an individual are the place where the Holy Spirit is. It's no, don't you know that you together, you plural, you gathered, you church, You ecclesia, you gathering, you assembly, you together, plural, are God's temple. God's spirit dwells in your midst. Yes, of course, living as an individual in us. And so you can have your own moment with Jesus. When Jesus taught us to pray, one of the ways that we pray, he said, was you by yourself, go to your room, shut the door, and talk to God in secret. That's one of the ways that we pray. So it's not that we don't have that, but the understanding is the fullness of the spirit happens when the people of God come together. That's where the fullness of of everything that he has for us happens. And so we need each other. We need each other to experience God's fullness. I can't do it by myself. I need you guys. And you need me. And we all need one another. It's not something you can do entirely on your own. And it's one of the dangers in our very sort of North American, Western, individualistic society where, you know, the conversation was always for years and years, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And what that meant was, do you, do you know him? Do you trust him? Are you saved? Are you, are you in him? 
Um, but there's this, this thing then that gets missed because it's actually not really about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ because God has set us all in a body. So you know him personally, of course, but you know him personally through other people as well and, and other people that you desperately need. And so we need one another uh, to experience God's fullness. We all have something we bring to the table. We all have Holy Spirit that we have to share, and we all have things that we need from other people. We need other people encouraging us and meeting us in crisis and speaking into our lives and all of these things. One of the hardest things about the last couple of years uh, obviously has been times of lockdown where we can't gather on Sunday mornings. And, uh, and we found times in those times to gather in other ways because we felt like we needed to gather no matter what. So even if it wasn't wise or, or possible to gather in our big groups, we found ways to gather in smaller groups. And I know some of you, uh, even on Sunday mornings, were doing house churches, you know, and, and watching online together in different ways. Like we found ways to stay connected. For everyone who wanted to gather, there was a place to gather. But it was one of the hardest parts of, of everything was, oh, we can't all be together at the same time. And then with that, one of the greatest joys that has happened in the last couple of years has been in times when we could come back together again and hearing from a number of you over and over again, uh, oh, wow, I, I am reminded why it's so important that we gather. Like, I'm reminded why, you know, we can do it on TV for a bit, but I'm reminded why it's so important to, to see one another, to look one another in the eye, to hear the voices in the room rise together, to, to be able to encourage one another face-to-face -face and not through a screen. Like, the gathering is so important. A little later in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul's going to use the picture of the body of Christ. And that's, uh, that's what we look like without skin, guys. So thank Jesus for skin, because we would look like walking nightmares, obviously, if we went around like that. But this picture of, of you as an individual are like an individual body part, and that's important. Every individual body part is crucial, right? We need an eyeball, we need fingers, we need organs, we need skin, we need that bone, uh, you know, we need all of it. And yet, that individual is actually only really important and thriving when it is in part of a body, the rest of the body. An eyeball on its own lying on the floor, uh, even if it could still see, which it, it couldn't obviously, but even if it could, it's, it's no good if it doesn't have a head to help it look around, if it doesn't have feet to walk it around different places. Like no individual body part on its own can thrive unless it's part of the rest of the body. And the picture of the body of Christ metaphor, uh, Paul will get into saying, you know, like just because you're not like other body parts doesn't mean that you're not important or that they're not important. And just because you have different functions and do different things doesn't mean that you're any more or less important than the other body parts. And you also, as whatever individual body part you are, are not able to say, I don't need the other parts. Because that's not how a body works. We all need each other. And, and there's a feeling uh, when we have not been able to gather or when we don't gather that we can, you know, we can last in that for a little bit, but we can't thrive because if I am, you know, going to stay home or, or, or not participate or choose to pull away, um, I, that doesn't change the reality, the biblical reality that I need the Holy Spirit who is in you, right? That, that we need what each other has to give. That's the body of Christ picture. And so we've, we've been able to band-aid some things for sure during COVID. But I know even before COVID, like over the years, 
You know, sometimes people, uh, and this, this happens regularly enough, people, you know, just either fall away from church for a bit or they have a falling out with someone and they, they don't want to come back to church because they don't want to see that person or whatever. And, and there's sometimes that needs to be a, a point of, of intentional conversation and reconciliation. But, um, but people sometimes, if they're away for a bit, uh, start to feel like, oh, I can't come back, or it would be weird to come back, or people will look at me weird if I come back. And just want to say that's pure out, pure demonic deception talking. Because anytime someone walks in the door of the church, who have, I, sometimes people have walked in, I haven't seen them in five years, and there is nothing but rejoicing, nothing but joy to see a brother and sister again. Like we, we need each other, we love each other, and we need all the parts functioning together. And so Paul would say a little later, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each one, to each person, to each individual body part, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So again, we all have the Holy Spirit. We all have spiritual gifts. We all have a perspective. We all have wisdom. We all have something that we're bringing to the table. And the picture of the body, again, is that each part has to do its part. And so to each one, the Holy Spirit has given you something to be a blessing to everybody else. That's the word of the Lord. And if you're saying, I don't know what that is, well, we would love to help you find that. Let's explore that and see if we can figure it out. But to every single one of you, the Holy Spirit has given a blessing for everybody else. And then everybody else has blessings that you need to receive as well. And so I bring what I have to the table. You bring what you have to the table. When everybody is doing that, the Holy Spirit is made manifest in his fullness. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It is the body of Christ picture thriving at its best. We all have something that we bring. We all have things that we lack and that we need. And so we need to bring that together. We need to bring that to each other. Another one of the blessings of community that we don't get as much uh, excited about necessarily is we also need to challenge one another. We need to push back on one another. Sarah and I have learned in our marriage that we, we actually think pretty similarly on a lot of things. And so the good news is we don't really tend to fight that much. We, every married couple fights, but uh, that doesn't really happen for us that often. Uh, and yet we've also noticed the weakness of that, that because we think similarly, we sometimes miss things. Because So we've sort of learned just because she and I have talked about it and are in agreement doesn't mean we fleshed out an issue in its entirety. And we will actually need to intentionally seek out people in our lives who look at things very differently because we need that added wisdom. We need that added perspective. We need to see things uh, that we can't see on our own. And so we need that pushback. We need that challenge. Even debate and disagreement. Now, I'll say with a big caveat, depending on how it's done... Debate and disagreement can be wonderfully edifying, wonderfully freeing, hugely important. How do we know what truth is, right? We're all trying to discern God's truth from his word. We're all trying to make sense of truth in this world. One of the ways that truth emerges is as we wrestle with it, as we go back and forth. I love how our MMT and our staff work here at the church, how our board works here at the church. When we're talking about an issue, there's often very different opinions coming to the table. 
And it's always respectful. No one is saying, I have the voice of God and you're a pagan or, or anything like that. There's no, no division at all along that front. But people have opinions and we share back and forth and we think about it. Sometimes after a meeting, we say we're unsettled, we're undecided. So we're not going to make that decision. Everyone go pray about it. We'll meet again in a few weeks and we'll come back together. But through that back and forth and through that wrestling through, eventually, inevitably, what happens is the truth begins to rise up. And then there was a point where everybody around the table says, that's it. That's, that's the decision. And there's peace about it, and there's unity about it, and then we move forward. So that, that pushback and, and, and disagreement and struggle doesn't have to be a bad thing. When we are name-calling, when we are treating people on the other side with contempt, when we are elevating ourselves over others and pushing others down, that's where it becomes very ungodly and very problematic. But we need that pushback because like, it's never been easier in our time just to surround ourselves only with the voices who say the things that we like. Right? It's never been easier. And to push away the voices that disagree with us and to, to block people and filter people out and to, to just ignore and go online and find the things that are only what we like. And, and that can be good in terms of encouragement and it can be really bad in terms of if we are not uh, listening to other brothers and sisters that we trust who are solid, then we might actually be missing things. We might actually be missing truth because we're just too locked into our own opinion and our own side. Scripture talks about, and it is often preached on, uh, the great one-anothers of the New Testament. And depending on who's doing the teaching, uh, there, there may be dozens of them in there. All the one-anothers, the things that are meant to be done for other people in community. We're called to love one another. We're called to greet one another, encourage one another, live in harmony with one another. We belong to one another. We care for one another. We bear with one another. I like the bear with verses. Bear with one another. You know what that means? Put up with. <laughs> it means be patient with. Because we're human beings, broken and fallen and sinful. And so we need to be patient with one another. Forgive one another. Lay down your lives for one another. Fellowship with. Gather with one another. Worship with one another. Be kind to one another. Honor one another. Be humble towards one another. Like on and on and on. These aren't even all of them up here. But all of these things are impossible for me to do by myself, by definition. Right? All of them are meant to be done in family. All of them are meant to be done in community. We need one another. And the others need us as well. This is community at its best when we are living out the commands of Scripture together with one another. Verse 17 says, If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Again, you collectively, plural, you together are the place where the Holy Spirit dwells. Now, I have heard this verse horribly abused by leaders uh, to use it to suggest, so don't criticize my church. Don't criticize my leadership. That's not what this verse is about. If anyone is twisting it into that, they are manipulative and you don't need to listen to them on that front. It's not saying we cannot raise concerns. It's not saying that we uh, cannot ask honest questions. It's not saying that's not what this is about. I think what it is about, probably in the context of 1 Corinthians and just the whole tone of the book, is that we watch for the ones who actively seek to divide, who actively seek to tear down, who are not coming saying, I have a legitimate concern or I have a legitimate question and are coming at it from a place that's consistent with fruit of the Spirit, but for those who are actively trying to do damage 
for those who would oppress God's church, for those who would divide God's church from within, I think the warning is there for them, and, and it's a sobering one. Uh, we're reading a book I've mentioned before called Until Unity by Francis Chan. And Francis Chan, as a teacher, just says like, okay, here's like 14 scriptures that back up what I'm saying. And so he's kind of hard to argue with because he just says like, here's these scriptures. And you're like, yeah, that is a good biblical point. And one of the things he talks about is how much the New Testament commands unity in the church and how much the New Testament warns intensely about those who would divide a church, those who would come in with a personal agenda, trying to force their way, trying to pull people apart, trying to draw people away. Um, there are warnings there for that. And so uh, the first part of our passage today is very encouraging. You together are the place the Holy Spirit has chosen to dwell. And then the warning is don't curse that, don't divide that, don't destroy that. Um, if we are brothers and sisters, then we can have debates and discussions and, and honest conversations and difficult conversations about theology, about the best way to do things, about the right way forward. Uh, we can do all of those things, but we are doing it from a place that says we honor the church itself. We honor what God has put together. What God has put together at Meadowbrook is sacred. And we together are that temple of the Holy Spirit where he has chosen to dwell. So as we think again of that body of Christ picture, 1 Corinthians 12, this is verse 21, and then 24 through 26. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Like, doesn't that sound like a great, healthy family to be able to say, if God does something in your life, I'm not going, oh man, why didn't I get that? When am I gonna get my thing? But to go, wow, God's moving in you. That's amazing. We celebrate and rejoice in that. And you're hurting right now. The body rallies to that pain, rushes in with compassion and love and support and says, okay, there's a body part hurting. We're all in on that. We're going to feel that pain with them. And we're going to go to that place that is hurting. And we are going to be the vessels that the Holy Spirit brings comfort and encouragement and support to. That is the body at its best. That is the community of God at its best. We can't say, I don't need this part or I don't need that part. And again, uh, in a time, especially in a world where everything just seems to be so black and white divisive. You're on this side or you're on that side. And just the way I'm wiring, wired, I tend to go like, no, I just reject that thinking on lots of stuff. Not everything, but on lots of stuff, I go, you know what? I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the middle somewhere. And, and even if I wasn't, uh, we're called to love everybody, including our enemies, including our opponents. And so there's not really a place for the follower of Jesus just to say, well, I disagree with you on this point, therefore we're done, right? Therefore we're, we're cutting off, we're removed. No, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, right? The parts need each other. And, and obviously, hopefully, all the parts are coming together in the service of the, the greater body as a whole. But the, that body of Christ picture is just such a clear way of Scripture saying we need each other desperately. We need each other desperately. We need the Holy Spirit that is in one another. We need to be Jesus to one another. We need to support one another. Come on up, worship team. We're just about done. 
There are lots of ways that this, this community can happen. Um, Sunday mornings are wonderful to gather. We gather on Sundays. Sundays are, are just great filling with the Spirit times, right? As we worship together, as we learn together, as we see one another and fellowship with one another. It is an amazing time just to fill your tank and draw close to the Lord and, and be part of that together with other believers. It can't be all that there is. Because on a Sunday morning, it's kind of hard to go deeper then, right? It's just, that's not what Sundays are for. Sundays are to, to celebrate together, to come to communion together, to worship together, to learn under a common teaching together. So we're all here in the same thing. It's for our kids to gather together, our junior highs to gather together. So Sunday mornings are important. But Sunday mornings don't give room typically for, well, where are you accountable to somebody else? Where are you asking questions? Where are you having a deeper conversation? Where where's some of that pushback, that healthy discussion and debate happening? Where are you speaking into somebody's life? Where are you meeting a practical need? Uh, Sunday mornings aren't a place for that part to happen, but that's where we have things like life groups. That's where we have things like prayer times as a church. That's where we have friends, spiritual companions that we journey with, where we have, you know, a safe spot where we can have honest conversations, where we can learn together and pray together. And so as we're thinking about where do we connect with God with other people, That'll be the challenge of in that 48-minute daily challenge. I'm not saying you need to give people 48 minutes every day, but where in your week are you making room for other believers to be part of drawing you closer to the Lord? And where are you being a blessing to other people in that way? I have a friend from many years ago, and a few years ago he told me, uh, you know, Chris, I'm, I'm not going to church anymore. I just, I don't see the point. He said, I, you know, I can get any teaching I want online. I can get the best worship in the world online. Like anything I need to, to teach me, I can do by myself online. I just, I don't really see the point of it. And I said, well, the point of it is that, uh, you know, that teacher you're listening to isn't actually invested in your life you're not invested in their life. That worship that you're getting, that's wonderful, but, uh, but you don't know those people and there's nothing required of you to listen to there, but to be in a community of some kind, uh, you need to also give something back, right? Otherwise you're just a consumer. You're just taking and taking and taking. And so, so we all listen to teachers and listen to worship. That's not a bad thing, but to be in community is to say, I'm going to receive from the spirit and I'm also going to give back in the spirit. I'm going to be connected to others in a way that they encourage me and I encourage them. And when they go through stuff, I'm going to be there to support them. And when I go through stuff, they're going to be there to support me. And, and when something good happens, I'll rejoice in it. And when they need the encouragement, I'll give that to them and I'll get that back. And you can't get that with strangers you don't know that you listen to online. It's just not possible. It's not possible to be the church in that way. We are meant to be family. We are meant to be engaging with one another. So as we are pursuing peace this year, finding the peace that comes from God, and, and one of the ways uh, that we are connecting with God is through one another, through the community together, um, where is that fitting in for you? It's not possible to call ourselves a Christian who is not in relationship with other Christians. It's just, it's not possible. We need the Holy Spirit in each other to experience the Spirit of God in His fullness. And so that is the question then of where am I receiving from other believers that I know in community and where am I giving to other believers that I know in community? 
And, and beyond Sunday mornings, what does that look like in my week in terms of Bible study or life group or prayer group or coffee with friends or whatever it looks like? Where am I making room in my life to allow others to draw me closer to Jesus as I also draw them closer to Jesus? Would you stand with me, please? As we get ready to worship together, and again, there is something about this that is important. There is something about this that is faith-building. Uh, as the worship team leads us, uh, and you hear their voices praising God, uh, they hear your voices praising God, all of our voices join together praising God, and we all get our faith built together. It's one of the wonderful benefits of community. So let us glorify Him together, we, His church, His temple, uh, as the Spirit rises up in us to bring glory to Jesus today.